Welcome to the Group of Five Focus Podcast, where we showcase the power of the Group of Five. I'm your host, Brian Doppel. This off-season, I'm starting a new series here on the podcast where I get into the details of conference realignment. To do that, I'll be joined by podcasters, journalists, and superfans of the teams that are joining new conferences. They'll help me get better insight into the players, coaches, and fans of each school and provide an introduction of the programs to their new conferences. This week, we're introducing the Marshall Thundering Herd to their new conference, The Sun Belt. I'm joined by Aaron Coleman of the Running with the Herd podcast and Herd Nation, who will walk us through everything we need to know about the Marshall football program as they transition to the Sun Belt. We'll get into it after the break. All right, we are here with Aaron Coleman from the Running with the Herd podcast. Um, Aaron, thank you so much for being here with the Group of Five Focus. Um, I just want to give you a chance to introduce yourself and uh, tell the listeners um, a little bit about the Running with the Herd podcast and what it is that you do and, and why you do it. Brian, thanks for having me. I certainly appreciate it. My name is Aaron Coleman. Like he said, I am the host and producer of the Running with the Herd podcast. It's been going strong since. July of 2018. It first started out as a blog and then it kind of just morphed a little bit into a podcast. As a lifelong Marshall fan, I figured it would be something unique and something awesome to bring to the table as far as content and as far as sharing that love of football with um, fellow Marshall fans and fellow college football fans. And when the newspaper shortage happened in Around 2018, I decided one day to just start my own thing and just kind of go on from there. I didn't really think it would turn into this, to be honest with you. I've uh, interviewed lots of former players, current coaches, and I've really uh, grown it a lot in the last uh, couple of years or so. And it's really been a labor of love. It's really been awesome. And I've gotten the chance to work with some great people. Chris McLaughlin, our publisher over at Herd Nation part of the Rivals Network, Josh Towers, my partner on the live stream, multi-stream podcast, as well as uh, Aaron Perkins, Sean Hammond, and Zach Arrowwood, great guys to work with. And it's it's really been a blast. It's really been awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, if you if you listeners haven't had a chance to check out with the Running With The Herd podcast yet, I highly recommend checking out all the po- uh, the projects um, that that Aaron just mentioned with all the people involved, because it's, it's really great stuff. Um, and we're excited to have you here today. Um, I, I'm really excited to talk to you about Marshall football. Um, as you know, we're uh, doing this series here on, on the Group of Five Focus, where we're introducing, so to speak, um, football programs that are changing conferences um, with the new realignment that just occurred this, uh, or is still kind of occurring this offseason, right? Um, and we want int- give to give those programs a chance to introduce themselves to the new uh, fan bases of their new conference. So um, I'm really excited to, to hear uh, your take on Marshall football. Um, it's awesome to hear that you're a lifelong fan. Um, that you have some background um, of the history of the program, but also just as a fan, uh, your experience um, just following the team um, for for such a long time. So we can just start with the basics for those who are not familiar with Marshall University. Um, Can you just give us an idea of what the university is known for um, and sort of its impact and footprint in West Virginia? Marshall University is a public university um, established in uh, the 1700s, I believe, uh, John, it was named after John Marshall, one of the first uh, U.S. Um, statesmen. 
and it is uh, known for not only its athletic programs, but it also has a uh, great journalism program. It also has um, some other quality programs as well. Um, the business program, I've heard some good things about that. And one of the uh, new things that they have there is the aviation program, uh, which uh, started and it's helping um, West Virginians have jobs in the field of aviation. Um, uh, they uh, have built um, some new planes there and uh, some of the parts that they use on those planes. It's, it's a pretty neat thing. So uh, the university has been growing. Uh, we have a new president, uh, Brad Smith, and uh, he comes from the business world. So I think with him having that business mindset and uh, trying to grow a company, as it were, I think that it's a perfect fit for Marshall University as a whole. And I think that it's something that is going to be embraced by not only the student body, but also uh, the people of Huntington and the state of West Virginia in general. Well, that's a that's a really unique. Uh, I feel like that's a really unique program, um, and it's interesting that you mentioned that. I'm here in Richmond, Virginia, and I know a couple of the uh, at least one community college sort of out in the Shenandoah Valley has an aviation program as well. So, it's cool to see uh, like really unique um, and important programs like that uh, popping up across Appalachia. Um, I think that's that's really interesting. That's a unique uh, unique feature for sure. Um, as far as the football program, uh, I mean, Marshall is one of the the historic football programs in the country. Um, but can you give us like a, an overview of sort of the program's reputation? Um, I know that we just wrapped up the first season with a, with a new coach. So maybe you could give us a little bit of a, an idea of um, the sort of style of play that might be associated with Marshall and, and what the new conference, the Sun Belt, might um, expect from from that with the new addition. I think it's going to be a perfect fit when you talk about Marshall and the Sun Belt, when you talk about the regionality of the conference, when you talk about JMU, when you talk about Old Dominion, when you talk about uh, Appalachian State. It's really a great fit for not only Marshall, but for the other teams that I just mentioned and for the conference as a whole. I think that when Keith Gill reached out to the university as far as its athletic teams joining the Sun Belt program, I think it was you know, just a perfect marriage between the two entities. And I think that fans, alumni, media folks, everybody is going to be really excited with this new version of the Sun Belt. I really feel that way. And I think it's something that has been in the works for some time, but I know that um, there were some logistical hurdles to kind of overcome. But now that those hurdles are cleared and hopefully Marshall will join the conference this season in the 2022 year, but if they join in 2023, I do think that it's going to be a perfect fit. As far as the historical context of Marshall, obviously it starts with the 1970 plane crash, which tragically took place on November 14th, killing all 75 members above uh, Southern Airways Flight 932, and it really rocked not only Marshall to the core, but also the city of Huntington, the state of West Virginia, and basically all of Appalachia. And it was really something that um, was a tragic, tragic thing. And the team had its rough go of it. The city had its rough go. And it all started to turn around in 1984 when they had their first winning season in 20 years. And then from then on, the program just took off. 
They had numerous appearances in the FCS formerly one AA uh, championship game. They won two championships in 1992 and in 1996. 1996 was probably the greatest Marshall team of the one AA era, but also probably one of the greatest one AA teams of all time when you had players such as Randy Moss and you had uh, Doug Chapman as well. Um, Eric Kresser, who played uh, quarterback for those teams and a lot of other players as well. And then in 1999, when they were uh, FBS program, they made their way to FBS in 1997. And in 1999, they were undefeated. They were 13-0 with uh, quarterback Chad Pennington. And then they made their move to the MAC, where they won the league five out of seven years that they were in the MAC with uh, players such as Byron Leftwich, Darius Watts, Josh Davis, Jonathan Goddard, those kind of those kind of guys. And then in 2005, they switched to Conference USA. Uh, Bob Pruitt, uh, the coach for those uh, MAC championship teams, had stepped away. And uh, Mark Snyder, a former uh, Marshall uh, player, took over. And they had some lean years in there. And uh, things weren't going as well. But then... West Virginia native, Hurricane native, Doc Holliday took over the program, and he ran the program for 11 years. He won the Conference USA title in 2014 with the 40 boys led by Rakeem Cato, the quarterback, as well as the late great running back Devin Johnson. You had some quality defensive players on that team as well, including former uh, Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year, Neville Hewitt, who is now playing professionally with the Houston Texans of the NFL. And it was really an exciting time in 2014, like in those, in that era, like between 2013 to about 2015, there was uh, some exciting football being played at Marshall. And uh, Doc Holliday was uh, the coach of those teams. And in 2016, they hit a rough patch. They went three and nine. And Doc Holliday had them playing consistent football for um, 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2020. And I really think that he got them going. His best job to me coaching was in 2020, considering all the things that he had to deal with, with COVID and everything, and getting those guys to play, getting those guys to uh, really uh, buy into the concept of, you know, staying together and uh, keeping yourself healthy and that kind of thing. Even though they didn't end the year the way that they wanted to, I do believe that it was a successful year for him. And uh, they decided to make a change in 2020. And then they end up with Charles Huff, first African-American coach in Marshall football history. And in his first year, I saw some good things. I, I really did. I saw some quality, uh, some quality play as far as uh, the defensive side of the ball in a lot of games. Um, he really has a knack for finding talent at the running back position. And Rasheen Ali is one of the more talented running backs, not only in the group of five, but all in all of college football. And when you get a chance to see somebody with that kind of ability, it's really a, really a great thing. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're right. Ali is, uh, he is a star. Absolutely. And it's really cool to see uh, that kind of skill in a running back position uh, at Marshall. Um, and you're, thank you so much for that, that run through. I really think uh, you gave the listeners a good feel for um, really where Marshall has been and, and where it's at right now. Um, of course, you know, famously, historically, and tragically, the, the plane crash in 1970, um, but also those, uh, those really good years, um, specifically in the, you know, the mid 80s to the really to the early 2000s, Marshall football really set a standard. And, and I know, um, just from listening to uh, the Appalachian State fan base, for example, uh, who made the transition to the FBS after Marshall did that, uh, that Marshall's footprint was really the, um, the, the path that app was, it seemed like they were trying to follow in because, because of Marshall's mm -hmm. success when they transitioned. Um, so yeah, they're absolutely uh, Marshall, like I said earlier, a historic um, football program, really um, setting, making the, setting the blueprint for the success of a lot of programs that came after it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, when you look at uh, App State and Marshall, they're two of the more consistent programs in the group of five conferences. And uh, Marshall's motto was, we play for championships, and they won conference championships, they've won national championships, and they're trying to get back to that right now. And I do believe that uh, Coach Huff is the uh, person that's going to lead them back to those championships. They just have to find consistency in a few key positions. And once they do that, I think they'll be okay. So that seems to be uh, that that opinion of Coach Huff is definitely what I've heard the most of uh, just in social media spaces and in conversations that I've had with other Marshall fans. Um, but is that the general consensus of the fan base? Is everybody pretty pleased with the work that he's done so far? Or is everybody uh, is there a clear vision for, for him moving Marshall forward? I think so. I think that he wants to create a brand of uh, fast paced, up tempo football. He wants to uh, make sure that the players are accountable not only on the field, but also in the community, in the classroom, on the practice field, in film study, everything is attention to detail. I mean, he learned from Mr. Attention to Detail himself, Nick Saban, and uh, arguably the greatest college football coach of all time. So I think that, you know, when you're around players like that at Alabama, when you're around top flight talent like he was at Penn State, I think that he has the right kind of mindset and the right kind of mentality to really uh, take this program back to where it needs to be. Yeah, that's that's encouraging to hear. Um, it's a little scary to hear as an app fan as Marshall's coming into the Sunbelt East and it's going to really shake up that conference. But I think it's going to really this realignment is going to really elevate the Sunbelt um, even with the inclusion of, uh, you know, moving an FCS program in JMU, who I think will actually be um, successful pretty, pretty quickly in the Sun Belt. I think they'll fit right in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They, um, you know, having lived in North Carolina now living in Virginia, I sort of compare, I kind of say that JMU is the app state of Virginia. They are very comparable schools. The fan bases are equally, are, I'll, I'll maybe, um, uh, hesitantly say they're equally passionate fan bases. And, uh, and I think that they're going to, uh, they have the history, of course, from the FCS, and they're going to gel really well. Um, of course, also Old Dominion in Virginia here joining the Sun Belt as well, which I think they might take a little bit longer to be successful um, in the Sun Belt. But, uh, but yeah, I think that this region, the regionality of the conference uh, realignment for the Sun Belt is really paying off. 
Um, you mentioned a little bit about uh, Coach Huff's first year, and of course, the herd went seven and six overall and five and three in conference, which let uh, fin- helped them finish at second in the CUSA East. Um, and of course, finishing uh, perhaps disappointingly uh, with a loss to Louisiana in the New Orleans Bowl. Um, can you tell me a little bit, a little bit about the New Orleans Bowl experience? What, what was the fan base uh, like opinion of all of that? I know things at Louisiana are so, were sort of crazy during that time, and there were a lot of question marks. But um, was Marshall expecting to to win that game? Do you think? And was the fan base sort of disappointed with that with that loss? Yeah, anytime the the herd loses, it's a disappointing thing, but I would say that they hung with Louisiana for quite a bit of that game. I mean, Rasheen Ali had a great game in that contest, and for the most part, the defense really played, you know, pretty well, to be honest with you. I mean, they kind of gave up some yards and some points at the end there, but the final score is not really indicative of how that game was played, in my opinion. I mean, I think that when you look at the New Orleans Bowl, I mean, obviously it was a disappointing loss. They come off of a loss to Western Kentucky in the final home game of the season. Grant Wells, the uh, quarterback at the time, uh, sustained a concussion, and it wasn't very beneficial for the herd in that regard. But it was the first year for a head coach, and I think that year two, you'll see a lot of those mistakes get corrected. I mean, the things that really stood out to me as far as things that need to be improved on heading into 2022 was the coaching staff's awareness and understanding of situational football. I mean, when you take a look at the ECU game, they lost a 17-point lead. When they were playing against App, they lost the lead there, only ended up losing by a point. They had some they had some struggles with situational football. And I think that once the coaching staff, for the most part, which is intact now, I mean, granted, there were some assistants that left and some assistants that got hired to other places. But I think that once the new staff is in now. I do think that they are going to improve their awareness of situational football moving forward. And you might not see some of those close losses like you did in this year. Yeah, that's, that's good to hear. And I'm looking back at uh, the 2021 season for Marshall and really um, you're, you're right. These close games um, or definitely learning experiences for the coaching staff. The game against App uh, was a loss this year, but it was a win the previous year. I think that game is going to be a toss-up. Anytime you play it, uh, either team can yep. win. They're they're well matched. Um, yeah, like you said, the ECU game is kind of a similar situation. Anytime those two teams play, either team can win, and it's likely to you know the score is likely to be run up. Uh, those games are almost always high scoring. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's encouraging to hear, and I it's honestly this is a really impressive resume to me for a first season um, of the of the head coach and his staff. Um, I think that 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 Coach Huff definitely has the program in the right direction. I think the Sun Belt East um, is is in trouble because I think Marshall Marshall's coming in and uh, they're not they're not in a place where they need to grow into this conference. I think they're in a place to contend really quickly. So uh, yeah, the Sun Belt East better be uh, better be on alert. That's for sure. Yeah, there's no guaranteed W in the Sun Belt East once it's going to be all formed together when you have Marshall. App State, JMU, ODU, Georgia State, who's an up-and-coming program, 
uh, Coastal Carolina, who's uh, definitely flirted with some success that they've had in the past. I mean, when you look at those uh, five programs, and I'm leaving somebody out right now. Georgia, oh, Georgia Southern. Southern. Georgia Southern, who's been one of the old standbys of the uh, Sun Belt. I mean, when you look at the regionality and you look at those programs, those proud programs and the history that those teams have in those programs, you really look at it and the Sun Belt East, there's no guaranteed win in the Sun Belt East moving forward. I really believe that. That's so true. Um, I was looking at I was looking at apps home uh, yeah home slate for this upcoming year, and uh, the the games are there's no guarantees. You know we can assume uh, you know app is a hard place to play. Uh, the Rock is an intimidating stadium, but uh, but there's really no guarantees. Um, and even Georgia State coming to Boone this year, a lot of people are saying that app is going to go five and one or six and zero oh at home this year, and and I'm not so sure. I think that Georgia State could be a potential upset there. Um, I would be a little more worried if it was in Atlanta, if the game was in Atlanta, but um, I still don't think that Georgia State led by, uh, you know, former app guy, Sean Elliott. Uh, I think that that that's a, an up and coming uh, team that, that the Sun Belt needs to look out for, for sure. All right. So I've never been to Huntington for a game, but I'm curious if you can uh, describe to me what the, the game day experience is like. What what can people expect from the, the fan base, uh, the environment during the game, the tailgate? You know, that's important to uh, what walk me through my first Marshall home game experience? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, game days, Saturdays in Jones C. Edwards Stadium are usually filled with excitement. Uh, you go and you grab a, a bite to eat. If you're not going to grab a bite to eat tailgating, you go to either Fat Patties or you go to the Marshall Hall of Fame Cafe and you grab yourself a bite to eat. You'll walk around, you'll see lots of people tailgating, you'll see um, lots of people um, enjoying themselves, uh, you see, you hear the music playing, and people are getting pumped up, getting ready to uh, uh, cheer on the herd and uh, go see them play. And one of the things that Coach Huff tried to institute at Marshall was a little bit of an improvement in the game day experience when you're outside the stadium and when you're inside the stadium um they closed off 20th street which was uh one of the streets near the stadium and they had some food trucks and some bounce houses for the kids and everything and as a parent of a four-year-old i understand the need for that so um that was pretty cool and uh they also uh tried putting a dj inside the stadium um which was, you know, depending on who you ask, uh, <laughs> an uh, interesting experience to say yeah. the least. But, you know, uh, overall, um, the atmosphere outside the stadium is great. The atmosphere inside the stadium, when the team's playing well, when the team is winning, can't beat it. Yeah, that's great to hear. And a lot of that sounds really familiar. So um, that's really cool. I think that's one of the, um, the beautiful things about this realignment is that a lot of it can look ugly and it can be really, it can look like a lot of business decisions, this, all of this conference realignment. But what gets me really excited about this is for these group of five programs that have extremely passionate fan bases um, who are joining conferences with similar, uh, similarly passionate teams um, and, and similarly minded fan bases. And I think that's where some of this, um, 
some of this culture building really, really encourages each other. I think when, when a, a school like app goes to play at Marshall and they see, you know, the fans that go travel, get to see the experience there and see how riled up the fans get there. Then the next time they play and they're back in Boone, the fan base knows and they, they want to get pumped up. They want to provide uh, that same experience, if not, if not louder, at, you know, at home. And so it just keeps going back and forth. And um, I think that's a really great, a really great opportunity that comes from, uh, this re this whole realignment process. Um, we sort of talked about the some of the coaching and some of the players. Um, now I'm curious if if you can uh, highlight a few players that we uh, that we could watch out for um, as Marshall enters the Sun Belt in either this season or the next season. I know, of course, uh, the quarterback Grant Wells is no longer at Marshall, but um, are there any other uh, are there any quarterbacks that look ready to swoop right in and take his place? And are there any other players that are uh, that should be on our watch list? Yeah, I think that uh, when you take a look at the quarterback position, most important position in all the sports, um, obviously you have to have some experience and some talent at that position. And when Grant Wells left, they brought in quarterback Henry Columbia from Texas Tech. He previously played at Utah State as well as Texas Tech, so he does have some experience. He's really the only experienced quarterback on the roster. A lot of of the young men were either redshirted or they were in high school last year. So Columbia will be competing with not only uh, three freshmen, he'll also be competing with uh, Cam Fancher, who was there last year, who took some snaps and uh, got some uh, playing time against a couple of our opponents last year. But as far as uh, impact players, it all starts with uh, running back Rasheed Ali, who we mentioned. Also, uh, you have some uh, quality players on the outside as well when you're talking about Corey Gamage, the wide receiver. You also have Shadid Ahmed, who made some plays uh, for the herd last year. And at tight end, you have Devin Miller, who is not only adept at catching the ball, but also in the run game blocking as well, which is important. And on the defensive side of the ball, you have linebacker Eli Neal, who's uh, one of the top tacklers in the group of five, as well as uh, Owen Porter a guy who had a great game in the New Orleans Bowl, the guy who I call Clay Matthews, you know, because of his uh, long hair and his Absolutely. Uh, number 55 there. I mean, Clay Matthews was 57, but he kind of reminded me of him a little bit, you know, and just some of the way that he uh, carried himself a little bit. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Owen Porter play this year. And, uh, you know, those are just a couple of the guys on defense. I do think that the strength of the team this year is going to be in the front seven. When you take a look at uh, the defensive line with uh, some quality players along that front, and then you have the linebacking core. And then in the secondary, you have uh, Stephen Gilmore, the younger brother of NFL cornerback Stefan Gilmore. You have Mike Abraham, who has some experience as well. And I think that it'll be one of the better. Uh, front sevens and one of the better defenses, not only in Conference USA or the Sun Belt, but also in the Group of Five. That's excellent. And you just mentioned um, your your thoughts on the strengths of the team, but are are there any areas of the team that you have some concerns about moving forward? Or anything that you might deem as a weakness of of the herd uh, in the short term? Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you're losing an experienced quarterback and you have to make that change, I think that. You know, you're going to have some growing pains along there with it. 
Also, you lose two specialists. You lose your starting punter and your starting kicker. Your starting kicker entered the transfer portal, and the punter entered via graduation. So, uh, obviously, you're going to have to replace those two spots. And I think that you're also going to have a little bit of uh, depth I want to say issues, but some unproven guys along the offensive line. So I think that those are the three main areas where I think uh, the herd could uh, possibly struggle. But at the same time, they always seem to find talent to put in some of these places. So it'll be interesting to see what's what lies ahead coming up for spring ball. Yeah, absolutely. It's right around the corner. It's a, it's an exciting time for sure uh, with National Signing Day right behind us. And and that's, you know, always a big day. And this this time of year is, you know, really when teams start to get get moving again and, and really get out on the field and see see where they're at for this year. Absolutely. And uh, one of the things that uh, I noticed about uh, you is the fact that you were an App State grad and uh, everything uh what's the atmosphere like at kid brewer stadium i mean obviously it's a very picturesque place it's a it's a looks like a great stadium to go to um kind of on my bucket list i would say is as far as a uh, going to a app state marshall game down in uh, boone one of these days and uh, either from the uh, stands or from the press box and uh, just kind of check that out what's the atmosphere like there yeah, it's honestly when the way you were describing the experience at Marshall, it's it's a lot a lot of similarities to uh, to a game day at the Rock at Kid Brewer. Um, yeah, it's very similar. The tailgates are are awesome. There's multiple tailgating uh, lots for students around the campus, and uh, and the alumni just pack the town. You know, Boone, Boone is a pretty small town, and on a game day, it's uh, you know you can't you can't swing your arms without hitting ten app fans. So uh, it's um, it's a really exciting uh, environment. Um, tailgate are fun inside the stadium is really great i haven't i haven't been to a game in a couple of years because of covid but um you know i'm really excited to get back in there for a game day because uh you can fit thirty thousand plus in that stadium and uh especially with the new facility they sort of just closed off the the north end zone um, which used to be a little more wide open uh so that new facility supposedly from what i hear really locks in a lot of the sound from uh from the fans uh and it's a really a really cool experience when you're in there and it's uh it's definitely Definitely an adrenaline-filled experience. Uh, definitely a really, a really fun experience. I, I highly recommend if you can make it down to Boone uh, for a game, then then you definitely should. All right, so I I'm curious uh, to hear. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for as hard of a prediction as you can give me here. How is Marshall going to do in their first year in the Sun Belt, and and how long do you think it will take for Marshall to really contend for a conference a conference championship? I would say um, first year in the Sun Belt, they'll probably finish like five and three, maybe a six and two kind of mark. I think that they're going to be able to compete right away. In the Sun Belt, they're not going to really have too many hiccups there. But as far as uh, being a contender for the East, I would say give it a couple of recruiting classes, couple of cycles, and I think that they're going to be in the thick of it with programs like App, programs like Georgia State, programs like Coastal, and I think that they're going to be in good shape once they get a couple of those recruiting cycles to really take shape and take place. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I, 
as a as an app fan, I don't look forward to to playing Marshall except to say that uh, it's always a good game. And uh, uh, you know, personally, I hope that app comes out on top. But really, it could go either way. And uh, and it's honestly just really exciting to have um, a historical rival in Marshall uh, joining the Sun Belt East. Um, so I wanted to go ahead and take a moment. Um, if if listeners are curious to find you uh, and listen to your work um, and read read your work, where can they find you? Um, and I'll be happy to link any anything in the show description here as well. All right. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at R with the Herd. You can also go to Facebook and find the Running with the Herd podcast at Running with the Herd. Also, the live stream links are available on YouTube. So if you go on YouTube and you type in Running With The Herd, you'll see my face, you'll see the uh, face of my co-host, Josh Dowers, and you can subscribe and listen to any of our archive live stream programs. So go and check those out. We're almost at 2,600 followers on Twitter and nearly 1,000 likes on Facebook. So um, go check it out. You'll be glad that you did. I recently did an interview with former herd tight end, former NFL tight end Lee Smith. Uh, talked a little bit about his career in the NFL. Talked about some cool things that he's got in the works now that he's retired. You can go check that out as well. Great stuff there. You won't want to miss it. So uh, feel free to check it out, and uh, I will follow you back and uh, just enjoy and just enjoy what I put out. It's good stuff. Absolutely. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah. And I'll just second that. Uh, definitely go check out Aaron's work. He does awesome stuff uh, promoting and supporting Marshall athletics. Um, and now as they move into the Sun Belt to create a really excellent division of the Sun Belt uh, in the Sun Belt East, it's going to be really great to see what Marshall does. And you'll want to keep up with the moves that they're making uh, with the Running with the Herd podcast and all of Aaron's work. So, uh, Aaron, thank you so much for your time tonight. I really appreciate uh, your time talking, and I can't wait to see uh, what Marshall does in the Sunbelt East. Thank you, sir. That's all for this episode of the Group of Five Focus podcast. Thanks to Aaron Coleman for shedding some light on the historic Marshall Thundering Herd football program. Be sure to follow and support Aaron and the Running with the Herd podcast by following the links in the episode description. I'd also love to connect with more listeners, so please reach out on social media at G5FPod to keep the conversations going. And if you haven't already, please follow, rate, and review the pod on your podcast platform of choice. Let me know what you've enjoyed and what you'd like to hear more of. And as always, be sure to share this podcast with anyone you know that might enjoy some of the Group of Five content that we're putting out. Until next time, friends, my question for you is, what is one thing you can do to showcase the power of the Group of Five? <laughs>